BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. Hello, I'm Ken Crowler and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on BBC Sounds. We'll be taking your calls on everything from walnuts, figs and hydrangeas this week. We've also got some top tips of things you can be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. We go straight to your calls and this week we start with Tony from Little Maplestead. Uh, hi Ken, how are you? Oh, we're fine. How, what, what are we going to do for yourself today? Well, I've got to prune a, back a, a tree out the front and I'm not quite sure of uh, what it is or how to prune it. Now everybody thinks <laughs> it's a magnolia. Right. Well, but right, it, let... it's, it's an evergreen and it has magnolia type flowers all through the year. Right. Uh, is the leaf is the leaf large, uh, flat, and, and or, uh, waxy? Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, they uh, are. Right, okay, sounds like a magnolia. And the buds, do they come with a sort of brownish uh, coat on them before they open? Yeah, they do, yeah. And what does the flower open into? Is it a tulip? Great big, white, fist-sized flower. Right, that's grandiflora. Now, these grandifloras were normally planted, um, they were used a lot on traditional houses, you know, in the Victorian era. They were put on houses and grown-up houses. So you see a lot of them on, on traditional, you know, heritage houses. Um, where have you got it growing? Mine's in the front garden, but it's reached about 25 feet high and it's about 20 feet across and it's much too big. And I'm wow, that is... A lot. Whoa, that's big, big, big. <laughs> right, yes, they normally normally produce flowers in the summer, but however, I noticed this year, you're quite right, they've flowered most of the year. Yeah, um, I've still got one. <laughs> I would not prune that until May next year. Right. Um, basically, because the wounds will then... Uh, the, the sap will be running then. You'll get a nice clean wound. It will drip a bit, but it won't m worry. So I would do it in May. It's an can evergreen. I, can Sorry? I take that back quite hard? Uh, yes, they will regrow. You, you see them against uh, these big houses, and they do treat them quite harshly sometimes, and they will grow back. So, yes, you could reduce it dramatically. Oh, right, that's lovely. Thanks for your advice on that, Ken. That's OK, Tony. All the very best. Thank you, bye. And we go to Fred in Herringate. What would you like to know, Fred? Well, good morning, Ken. Morning. Um, I'm partially blind, and I bought um, some broad, two packets of broad beans to put in my garden. Yes. But uh, I, don't know, I don't know what how to do them like, you know. Right. How you OK. Are they, did you buy Aquadols or what? Pardon? Do you know which ones you bought? Were they Aquadols? Well, Aquadol I'm not quite sure about that. Well, we won't worry then. We'll just... Basically, what you want to do is, what I would do, is plant them into, uh, a into containers, either segment containers or small pots, and get them established before you put them out. That's one way of doing them. Other people plant them direct, because you normally plant them October into November direct into the ground and one of the reasons you do that is that you get an early crop and it saves them getting black fly that's so, what i want to do yeah if you've got have you got a prepared area that you could pop them into i have yes i have yes right 
Well, I would then sow them direct. And all you need to do really is it's gone a bit, it's gone a bit damp. So it depends on what your soil's like. How is it claggy soil or is it quite no, open? It's, no, it's very good light soil. No, right. It's, it's, it's good. Well, quite honestly, all I do is use a dibber and then pop them down the bottom and then cover them over. And that will work. About, oh, about three do, inches. Do if it's get frosts or anything, do you have to cover no, them with anything? No, they, no, they're tough. They will take it. And then to cover yourself in case you get any damage from any pestle, and if you've got a few over, put those into pots, and then you can always put those out in the spring if you've lost any. Oh, good. Oh, that's nice, yes. Is that all right, Fred? Yeah, that's great. That's great. You see, I mean, this, oh, I've got a bit of a handicap with that but seeing business, but anyhow, yeah. that, that's good of you, anyhow. Uh, that's okay. Yeah, uh, thanks for... Thanks I very much. I look forward to hearing how you enjoy your broad beans in the spring, yeah? I will definitely tell you. <laughs> OK, Fred, all the very best. Thank uh, you. Thank you. That's Fred in Harrogate. He's given us a call on 0800 4041. There's a line free for you right now if you'd like to give us a call. Oh, you can text me just as Le Louisa has, and that is on 81333. Start your message with the word Essex. We're talking hydrangeas uh -huh. with... Uh, with Sheila, aren't we, from Church Langley? Oh, yes. Hello, Ken. Hi. Uh, Ken, I had uh, bought a lovely hydrangea in the summer mm -hmm. because I've got clay soil. I kept it in a fairly large pot. That's with all right. water standing in a, a tray with some water in it. But unfortunately, I'm, I've moved the tray away, but now the leaves have gone mouldy looking. Yeah. green leaves, that is. That's what all right. I do with it? Right, hydrangeas will defoliate. They will drop their leaf completely at this time of the year. And often they will go a sort of mildewy colour. You know, they'll get a bit of white right. mildew on them. So that will possibly happen. Um, so you needn't worry about it. Just see that when they drop their leaf, I know we went to a garden this week and, and in fact a lot of the leaf had fallen, but not all of the leaf had fallen off the hydrangea. Right. So clear it clear it up put it on the compost or give it to the council depending on what you do yourself in your own garden and that's what i would do does it need watering through the winter or not it's in a container you say yeah in a container um i would keep it moist but definitely not wet so oh, it's right on okay. the on and the dry feeding on the feeding no not through the winter don't start that until the buds start to start to <laughs> okay. emerge in the spring all right Lovely. thank you Kate. that's a pleasure that's sheila um and we go to lynn in colchester her lynn hello um two years ago i was given one of these angel trumpet right is that in a pot a 15 inch pot is that the um, one the first is... year the first year it's had it had about six or seven flowers on it right anyway last winter i brought it in the conservatory but yep. i thought i'd lost it anyway mm -hmm. i just put it back out in the garden in april and it has grown and grown and grown no flowers i've had no flowers right. this okay summer. it's now six foot tall it's got three shoots coming out of it. It's got leaves that are massive, but they're being eaten by something. Okay. Now... Um, uh, no flowers, though. No flowers, right. Okay. Um, you've got a Brugmansia, which is an angel trumpet, and yes, they are hungry. Have you fed... I'm going to go back to why it hasn't flowered. Did you feed it and did you pot it up? Um, I didn't pot it up. No, I had it given to me. No, have you potted it up since? No. No. Right, have you fed it through the summer? Um, yeah, I have really, because when I've been out, it's sitting next to my fish pond yeah. on on the, the, the 
bit of ground. I've got a bit of flower yep. bed there, and I've got uh-huh. tomatoes growing up. So when it was watered with Miracle Grow and anything else that was put out there, and when the water's come out the fish pond, it's been put on it. Um, so right. it has been fed of salt. Good. Yes, because Angel Angel Trumpet. Um, it's a really hungry feeder, a really hungry feeder to make it flower. Um, right. I would have possibly given it a bit of um, tomato food. I think that oh, might... I've done that, yeah. You good? I've given it tomato stuff as well because I had lettuces grow in there. Oh, yeah, you're doing all the right things. So I don't actually know why it hasn't actually given you flower. But the, all the new leaves that have come out in the last four weeks, yep. I can see about... 25 new leaves, and the stem's got all new leaves shooting out of it. Right. Is it too big for you to bring back in? Because you're going to have to bring it back in again, aren't you, as well? Um, well, it is, yeah, too big at the moment, yeah. So, Unless hey, I, right. I you, cut it. It's got three big stems coming out of it now. It's yes. like a big bush. You can you can actually cut them back quite hard. You haven't got to really worry about that. You could cut right. it cut quite firmly. Um Ideally, it's time to cut it back then. Well, if it's too big to go in now, you're going to have to cut it back now, but it won't actually hurt it. And then run it through the winter quite dry, not too yeah. much water. And then yeah. once you get it into next spring, I would try and repot it with a decent bit of compost. And when you do that, knock some of the compost off from around the root ball while you're at it. And yeah. I think you'll find that. Once it's repotted, it will take off. Feed it with tomato food specifically, yeah. and I think you'll find it will come into flower next year. Right, okay, lovely. Um, that... I was in Portugal yep. in June, and there was hundreds of them yeah. there, and they're great big flowers on them and everything, you know. And they're gorgeous, thought, aren't well, they? Why is mine not going to be doing anything? <laughs> Never mind, living hope, okay. so. Thank you. Time now to look at Plant of the Week, which is Clematis cirrhosa bellarica. Now, it's a species from a family of Ranunculaceae, which is a fern-leaved clematis. It's um, very attractive because it has a bell-shaped flower and it's got a, a four petals and it's really very attractive. They're born in sort of clusters. And the thing about this clematis is it's an evergreen, which is really good. So not only is it an evergreen, it means that it's one of the few that you could grow in your garden and know that it will not lose its leaves. Sometimes the leaves go a sort of um, bronzy reddish colour, but that's, you know, that's quite usual in winter for a lot of green plants. Why would you grow it? Well, you need to grow it somewhere near the house. It's got a, a, a very gentle perfume with a touch of citrus to it. So grow it somewhere near the house. The flowers are delicate. They're only about half an inch long in clusters. So I'm saying put it near the house. You know, most of you never go down the end of the garden in the winter. So really what you want to do is have it somewhere in, near, the, near the house. It'll put up with most aspects. It's not as hardy as things like Montana, but it will even put up with a northern aspect. I like it growing in the ground, grow them up trellis, cover that nasty shed you can also run it over the top of arches which i've grown in the past also grows very well indeed in a container so they are doesn't like wet heavy soil but other than that you can condition your soil to grow it plant it definitely near the house which ones do i like well freckles has got to be one of my favorite it has a sort of ready freckle on the inside of that bell-shaped flower 
but there's Wisley Cream and Jingle Bells, which is a delight as well. Why do you think it's called Surahosa Balearica? Because it comes from Balearic Islands, which is, of course, where is it? Mallorca, Menorca, Corsica, Sardinia. And they can still be found growing wild in the hedgerows. So if you ever go there, look out for them. But no nicking bits and bringing them home. So Clematis, Surahosa, my favourite, freckles, but any of them are a sheer delight to have growing in your garden. We're going to go back to the phones and talk to Hilary in Colchester. Hello, Hilary. Hi. What you got for us today, Hilary? I've got, hang on, I've got um, a fig tree. Yes. Um, it's got figs on it, reasonable mm-hmm. sized ones, but obviously it's now coming up to the winter. Yeah. So, and they're not ripe and ready to pick yet. So what do I do with them over the winter? And will I get fruit next year or do I have to chop them off and they're wasted? Oh, no, never chop anything off. Let, no, nature's, nature's very clever. Well, I, you know, I know I go on a lot about nature being very clever, but it is very clever what it does. And, and in fact, figs are a good example of one of the many fruits that we have which take two years to be actually produced. And fig is one that does just that. And what it does is it will discard any fig that is too large to carry through the winter into next year. Now, normally, if you've got it, the si- if you've got figs on there that are the size of your fingernail, have you? Mm. No, got- they're bigger than that. Have you got any small ones that are the size of your fingernail as well? I, I bet don't you know. have. <laughs> I bet sure you have. No, you've been looking at the larger ones. You'll find you, I'm certain you will have some small ones as well. And what will happen is the larger ones will drop off through the winter period. And then the smaller ones stay there until next year. And they are the ones that will ripen up for you. All right, okay. You can't hold larger ones on. The plant is not, remember the plant's got, well, going to sleep for use of a better word. The leaves are starting to drop. The sap doesn't rise. And therefore... You know, it just isn't producing enough sap to to actually produce large figs. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's fine. So, So the other question... Sorry. You haven't got to worry about it at all. Nature will look after it. Right. The other thing is, it seems to have grown quite large. They do. (laughs) Yeah, did you plant it in a pot or put anything around it to stop it growing large? No? No, it's just in the ground. Right. It will grow large. Um, I prune them personally in the summer. Other people do them in the winter. You can do it at either either time and you will not do it a lot of harm. If you do it in the summer, they bleed quite a lot, but it's never caused me any aggravation. So yeah. I, I personally do it in the summer. I watch the figs and where they are and then prune it after the figs. Yeah. So where would you prune? How do you prune a fig tree? So... So you can be quite you can be quite harsh on them, and they will tolerate it. Is that all right, Hilary? Okay. Well, thank you very much indeed. That's a pleasure, and I look forward to a basket of figs next year. Is that okay? <laughs> Fair enough. If I've got any. Okay then. Thank you very much, Hilary. Indeed. Okay. Now we've got John. Hello, John. What are you up to in Basildon? <laughs> Good morning, Ken. Uh, well, thanks for taking this call. It's not exactly a, a, a garden question, but um, we're opening our garden in December. Oh, we, yeah. That's unusual. We belong to the NGS, and we open in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, but this time, we're, we're opening it up 
the first two Saturdays in December with a, gar- a Christmas garden display where the garden is um, all sort of lined with uh, uh, Christmas lights and uh, sort of animals, reindeers and bears. And we've got penguins around the pond, a little village. And um, it's uh, we, we, we finish up like in the little market at the end um, with uh, Christmas mulled wine and mince pies and things like that. And it's as I say, it's all for charity. Yeah, because National Garden Scheme is is a good charity. I, in fact, I, I've actually followed the National Garden Scheme quite heavily myself because yes. they they spread their money around quite quite well because they, right. they cover a lot of ca- cancer uh, charities, a couple yes, of cancer charities. And they also do, uh, and I know they also go to Perennial, who is looks after gardeners, which is one that obviously I'm right. quite interested in. They look after gardeners that have come under hard times. And I think there's another couple of charities that they support nursing charities as well. So in fact, altogether, NGS and yourself doing something that's really different. I mean, most gardens, as you quite rightly say, they're open in the summer, but they're not open in the winter, are they? No, no, it is unusual, yes. Um, yeah, it, it is, you know, we, we've got several little paths that we can walk around, and it is quite mm. walkable and things like that. We could get a wheelchair around, I think, if, you know, you with could. a bit of help. Well, I'm sure you could help them as well. Now, definitely, now, definitely. Now, can I just go back? NGS is famous not just for its gardens, but for its cakes and tea. Now, uh-huh. will you, are you doing mince pies or anything like that at all? Yes, we've got mulled wine <laughs> and mince pies, and we, I think uh, the family is making cakes, tea and coffee and anything else. You know, a lot of different things are, are available. <laughs> I think... So, I, uh, I think you're doing a smashing job, uh, John. Thank so you. that's now. Hang yeah. on, that's two weeks' time, is that? Can you just it's clarify it, uh, the date? It's right. So the first one is Saturday, the first of December. Yep. And that's from four thirty when it's just about dark until what eight or eight hour past. And the second one is the following Saturday, the eighth of December. 4.30 to 8 again. And can we have the address? I know you might be able to see it because of the lights, but, I mean, where, where right. are you? It's, uh, it's, uh, it's in Bowers Gifford, yep. which is number 14, Una Road, Bowers Gifford. Fort- 14? 14. Yep. It's the last one on the left, actually. We're right up against the field then. So and four- it's S... Sorry. Yeah, 14. Repeat the address again. 14. 14 Una Road. That is spelled U-N-A. Una Road. And the postcode? Is SS13. Yes. 2HU. I think I that... I have put lots of posters out, and hopefully on the night, it, they'll, they'll, I'll be putting signs out leading us, uh, leading people to the to the garden as well. Well, I think that is a fantastic thing to do. Uh, pity more NGS don't... I mean, there are a few gardens of NGS that open in the winter, but um, yeah. not many doing exactly what you're doing. So have a great time. Come on, gardeners. Get down to Bowers Gifford to 14 Please. Una Road. And I'll try and remind people next week as well on the programme that oh, they can brilliant. come along and see you. Thanks right? very much. As I say, it's not just looking at the front of the house. It is coming into the garden. Yep. And it, it, it's just under half an acre, our garden. So we've wow. got several piles. We haven't got... It's about two-thirds of it with the lights. We've left uh, one a bit out. But, yeah, there's, there's plenty to see, hopefully. Winter Wonderland, eh? Uh, yeah, could be <laughs> nice to say like that, yeah. <laughs> Lovely Thanks job. very much.
Thank you very much for your call. That's John in Basildon, SS132HU. Jot that down and get along and support. It's a very good... Uh, NGS is a very good charity because it does give to good charities. Uh, let's now go to Alan from Hatfield. Hello, Alan. Hello, Ken. What can we do for you, sir? Uh, well, six weeks ago, and that's strong wind. My brother's walnut tree had a big bell broken off. Oh. And he gave me some walnuts. Yep. And they were green, so we put them on the windowsill, but now turn almost black and hard as nails. Right. Green wrong. Can you what, sorry? Have we done anything wrong with them, you think? No. Now, are they in the outer shell still, or have yes, they come... Yes, yes. And the hard, no. Is, no, hard the, as nails. No, hang on. The outer shell is just... Should split, and the nut should be on the inside. Oh. So you've still got what was a green outer. That's right. Yeah, it depends how ripe they were when the bow came off. And that's oh, I be, see. So cut it open, cut them open, just put a, run a knife round, and inside uh, you should have uh, a walnut inside. Because, okay, okay, Doug. Because what normally happens is they sit on the tree, they ripen, and yes. then uh, the shell, which is the outer bit that I'm talking about, and the nut normally drops to the ground and they separate, and then the, and then the squirrels come along and nick them. That's right. <laughs> That's what normally happens, doesn't it? But, okay, um, Kim, thank you very much. It's been a good year for walnuts, so hopefully let me know how, what they're like. You should have grown one from it. You should have tried growing one as well. But well, might be worth a try, yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay, okay Alan. Okay, Kim, thanks thank, very much. Thank you very much indeed. Enjoy those walnuts. And if you get them early enough, you can make, of course, you can pickle your walnuts. Don't forget that you can email me as well at ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Give us a call now on 0800 111 Text 81333. Pop Essex on the front. If you're shy to talk to me, that is. Let's talk to Paul in Whittam. Hello, Paul. Hello, Ken. How are you? I'm fine. So, um, what... is it too... I've got two magnolia trees in my garden, Magnolia Solangiana. Yeah. They're quite big. Now. I suppose they're about 12, 15 foot tall. And I normally prune, but I haven't pruned them yet. Is it too late? Well, no, it well, isn't. Uh, no, no, they're dormant. They'll go into dormancy now. I don't know whether you were listening earlier. I was telling somebody that that was a Magnolia grandiflora and I was saying you prune it in May, but that's because yeah. it's an evergreen. But yours yeah. are not evergreen magnolias. No. You no, can do them in the winter. I, mean, I normally, last year I pruned them a bit earlier in this. And because yeah. of what reasons, one reason or not, I won't go into it, but I haven't been around to get to doing it. No. I was going to prune it and... Now, you can prune them when you like. The only thing we always say is it always seems a shame that you might be cutting off all those lovely buds. And yeah. I always think that's a shame. So in some ways, uh, it, it's, it's a pity to cut buds off that are going to flower. But it I'll tell you a little... To the height now where, if you want to be honest, we can't look out... I can't even look out of our upstairs windows, you know. It, it's, it blocks our view. Right. I'll tell you what you can do, though, and it's something that I've done in the past, is you can cut the the branches off or the stems off, yes. and if you've got buds on them, take them indoors and put them in a vase, Yes. and chances are they will open. Oh, well, this time of year? Yes. Oh. It's something I used, you know, you can do all around Christmas. You can take yes. cherry, apple, forsythia. Yeah. 
and you just bring it on in, so it, I mean, work, it works quite well. Like you were saying earlier, I've, I've got a Magnolia grandiflora in my garden as well. That doesn't grow anywhere near as fast as the Sarangianas. Oh, it, yeah, it depends where it's growing, I think, because well, they can. It's on the side of my house, yeah. and it's probably, it's probably a bit drier there than the other, where the other. Ah, oh, you see, that might be the difference, mightn't it? I mean, we have one of them against the wall of a building where I used to work, and all the water off the roof went down to its roots, and that was just a, a beautiful plant. Yeah. They, they tolerate incredible uh, hardships, those magnolia grandifloras, and still yeah. seem to come up trumps I mean, with those flowers, beautiful flowers. Like dinner plates, don't they? They do, yeah. They make... All right, okay, thank you. Paul, let us know how you get on, but I enjoy that. Try cutting those few buds off and enjoy them indoors. Right, okay? thank you very much. Okay, that's Paul from Whitham. Just a little tip there, you see, on, on what to do with your cuttings as well. Never waste anything in gardening, do you, Jan? Uh, no, never. <laughs> never. <laughs> You're over in Danbury, so what are you trying to do? Right, I've got a new raised flower bed, and I've, yep. I've had to move a load of plants out to get this in. Um, it's all now filled with soil, uh -huh. but I want to put the plant, load, of, load of the plants back, and I've got yep. a load of new plants in there. All the old ones are potted up in pots. Is it okay now to to plant them, plant them back in, or yeah. should I wait? No, I would do it now. Now, the, just with a raised bed, have you seen that you've put enough soil in? Now, that that does sounds a bit, bit. No, I know it's got a bit a vague, hasn't it? But basically, yeah. um, what I'm suggesting is that you see that your soil level is at least at the top of the raised bed, and that's because they it will drop yeah. by something like three inches at least. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it's, it's all heaving at the top, so that, that's all that's fine. That's what you want. What sort yes. of plants are you popping back in? Well, I've got, I've got some rhododendrons, I've got penstons, I've got fuchsias, I've got blueberries. You've got a real mix there, haven't you? Yes, I've got hostas, uh, you name it, I've got it. <laughs> no, what I was asking was that if you've got any herbaceous plants, that it's a good time you could split them and put them into different groups. Yeah, I've split them when I took them out and yep. then repotted oh, them up. So, so they're all smallish ones ready to go in. You're ahead of the game, aren't you, I today? Know. You <laughs> really are, aren't you? So you're doing a good job there. But because it, yeah, they're all, they're all thrown at the bottom of the garden because I'm having an extension put on. So this is why I've had to put a new raised bed in. Yeah. Um, so they all want to be moved back in. Yeah. No, I would, you know, on a nice sunny weekend like we've got this weekend, I think it's a great time to go out in the garden and actually uh, actually do it. So I think so that would work well. As soon as I finish well. listening to you, I could go out and do it. Yeah, straight after. Don't do not do it, you know. I mean, you've got, you've got to listen. So, you know, that's Absolutely. what's important. Yeah. OK, that's lovely. Thank you very much for your that's help. That's all right. That's a pleasure. Back to your gardening questions in a moment. But right now on the BBCS, it's Gardening Hour podcast. We've got some top tips on things you could be getting on within the garden this week. I'm going to start with leaves. Leaves, leaves and more leaves. And I've been picking up leaves, leaves and more leaves all week in the gardens that we look after. Tell you what, they make marvellous leaf mould. One of the quickest and easiest ways is just bag them up into black bags, tie the bag up, put them behind the shed and forget about them for a year. You can add things like garrotta to them, which will help rot them down. But basically, the most important thing is that you do not leave them on lawns. I went to a place this week where I pulled them back off the lawn and underneath, mildew. Yes, mildews and rots. And it will rot. It will indeed. So they are leaves. Get them in bags or build yourself a leaf mould container out of pallets and stack them all in there. What else have I got for you? I'm starting to prune some of the apple trees as well. 
And in fact, it's more about getting the shape right than worrying about anything else. We don't prune apple trees as harshly as we used to, but we do cut out crossing limbs, damaged limbs, and thin them generally. Why do we thin them? The more openness of the plant, it will ripen the fruit. So they are, look, start to do your apple and pear tree pruning, but remember, don't ever prune a stone fruit. Cherry, none of those. Leave them alone as they can get disease. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Let's look now at some of those texts that Louisa, who's uh, been waiting ages for me to answer text, is saying, I'm looking for something evergreen to plant in pots outside my front door, suitable for north-facing aspect. Any recommendations, please? Thanks. Uh, Well, you know, what do you plant in a container? Depends how big the container is, in all honesty. That's what it depends on. Um, And how much room you've got. Um, I would not go for things like Goldcrest and are you going to plant annuals around it or what? Um, so you've got to think about what you're doing and that's not what I know. I don't know how large containers are and what you're going to plant. So if you're still listening, of course you are, you can always send me another text and tell me how big the containers are and whether you're facing north or what. But uh, you could use yew trees. They're very popular. I would not use box. Box is very susceptible to box blight. Uh, I therefore wouldn't have box, I don't think. Uh, you could use azalea, evergreen azaleas, quite successfully. You could use hebe, you can use osmanthus. I'll tell you what, there's a whole host of small plants that you can, you can use and would work for you. So that's, that's something that I would do, and then I would put annuals round it very easily. On the other hand, if you want to make a mixed one, you could use grasses. You can use some of those lovely grey gray, uh, grasses and stuff like that, which would work very well. And then around that, you could put a juga with that lovely bugle, with that lovely sort of purpley type leaf on it, which works really well indeed. And something like that, and then add a few bulbs underneath. I, th- I tell you what... There's nothing to stop going on um, with anything when you've got a container. So, Louisa, if you've got any other questions on what I'm telling you, why not text me back on 0800 111 or just give us a call on 0800 111 It's as simple as that. And we'll talk gardening all the way through till 12. It's the gardening phone-in here on BBC Essex. Hello, Bob in Walton on the Days. Hello. Hi, Bob. Hi. I've got I've got a problem. Um, I've got a property where we're not allowed to put fencing on the front, um, and I want some a little bit of advice on. I want some hedging, but I don't want it prickly for obvious reasons. Um, what would oh, be best I, to use? I I like a prickly hedge. Why don't you like a prickly hedge? <laughs> Because if somebody walks through it yeah. or falls onto it, yeah. it's nasty. I know that because I've got a pile <laughs> of camp around the side and that is flipping horrible. They are, aren't they? Me every time. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, right. What would you... Yeah, so Walton on the Nays. Now, um, you've got to put up with um, a bit of sea burn, have you? Yes, you get a bit of salt, don't you? 
I'm about a mile away from the coast. You will still get a bit of salt. It'll come through. You really will get it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What would I use? Well, you can use grisolinia. Grisolinia will work. It's a a shrub. It's a a shrub. It's a a hedging plant or a small tree that called grisolinia. It's got an evergreen leaf, um, a largish leaf. Yeah. Mm. Grisolinia. And that will grow into quite a formal hedge. You could use laurel, but laurel will grow. Yeah. Might be too too big. Yeah. Too big. I don't want it to be too high, you see, because there's rules about even that as far as that's concerned. Right. Um, I, I was thinking of something like uh, either privet. Yes. Or cotoniaster or something I'll, like that. See, you're beating me too. I was going to say cotoniaster. Cotoniaster works quite well. You want to look for the evergreen varieties, um, yeah. but there's a couple of good um, upright ones that you could use, and they would work quite well. Um, yeah. a, and privet. Privet is good. Um, you can buy it at this time of the year very cheaply because you can buy it bare root, which, in other words, it's just been dug out of the ground, and you can buy those fairly cheaply. Now, if you're using privet, you really need to cut it down in half to actually... Um, make it branch from the base. Gotcha, yeah. But it means that it looks nothing when you put it in. What I, no. would, what I always do when I plant a hedge is, and I know you've been told you can't, you can't have a fence in there, but I would Correct. put a stake, yeah. stake in each end and a couple of wires along just to stop people walking through your privet while it's growing. You, no. could, you could also use hornbeam because hornbeam keeps its leaves in winter, as does beech. Yeah, but the only, the only thing there is that I want something that's going to be reasonably fast growing because I might not survive them another two. <laughs> hornbeam's not bad. Hornbeam grows faster than beech. Hornbeam's not bad. And you can, again, mm. buy hornbeam bare root at this time of the year. So that yeah. has an advantage. You wouldn't have to cut hornbeam down. You could just plant it. All so, right. so that's another thought for you. Um, Where would I have to go to get that sort of thing? Because I've been looking around, and I, right. I was looking around for Catonia, but there's nothing there, and you, you can't can even, find anything else either. I think you might have... Oh, I hate suggesting it, but you might have to go online or actually look in the back of a gardening magazine for someone who does hedging. Now, you'll find yeah. that the hedging people will also sell you Catonia that's suitable for hedging. Uh-huh. So that's right. where you need a nursery rather than a garden centre in some ways. But if any garden centres are listening that do bare root uh, material that Bob's looking for, why not give us a call on 0800 111 or text me 81333 and start your message with the word Essex. And then I can pass on those details to you, Bob, couldn't I? Lovely. Thank you very much. Is that all right? So, so I, I hope that's... Thinking... Sorry, all uh, I was saying there, it's just I was thinking... Do I have to, can I do it now or do I have to wait till the spring or something? But yeah. if I can do it now, well, that's the best no, idea. do it now. Now, yeah. spot on the time. Dig out a trench, put a bit of compost in the bottom of the trench and then plant it. Um, mm-hmm. So there are, there's plenty of things you could use. I was going to okay. say you could use tamarics, but tamarics will give you a very unruly hedge, but that works really well in your part of the country as well. Yeah, I know, but no, I don't. I, I no. want something that I can control reasonably yeah, easy. Yeah. Well, I hope that's given yeah. you a few ideas um, yeah. that yeah. you can get on with. Okay. Lovely. Thanks very much for your help.
That's Bob and Walton on the Nays, which I should think is pretty sunny and pleasant at the moment. And don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. We're talking to Joan in Harlow. Hello, Joan. Hello, Ken. Good morning. Lovely morning. Um, I've, my friend has sent me some um, dwarf fig seeds. Um, it's Ficus carica. Dwarf, um, dwarf fig seeds? Seeds, yes. Um, I think she got them online. And right. She's actually raised some herself, but she didn't tell me what to do with them. I don't now know what, when to start them off. Or What, what did you say their name was? Um, Ficus. Carica, C A R I C A, and the and, and it's Noir de Bellone. It's not one I've come across at all. No. Well, I would right. Okay. Well, I would definitely, if I'm not sure of any seed, I would not sow it at this time of the year. No. Be, purely because you're not going to get. Uh, if you get a germination, you haven't got enough light to grow the plant on at all. Mm-hmm. I would I wouldn't sow it until March. Right. And then you can actually, you know, get on with it in March. That's what I would do. Right. Does that help? Um, um well, yes. <laughs> it helps a bit. Yes, thank you very much. Yeah? <laughs> okay, just and ordinary seed compost. I would use a good seed compost. You could try some on the windowsill in March. Have you got a greenhouse or not? No, but I've got very sunny windows. Ideal, but not too hot. Not ah, might be too hot for it. So be careful. Right. You don't want there. direct sun all day. You'd be better put it on a different windowsill. But okay. what you what you why I say March is that the light levels are good in March. Right. Okay. okay thanks very much. Can I ask you one more thing? Of course you can. I, yes. I found you um, a couple of years back. I think it was about Faisalis. Yes. Cape Gooseberry. Yes. Well. Um, I've got them come up again. I didn't plant them. But no, they they, seeded they self they self seed, don't they? But of course, they're not they're, they're not even turning yellow because they had such a slow start. Yeah, I've one's got... growing out the side of the compost bin, <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's under right under the sunny windows. Yeah, but... I. I'd just leave well alone and see what happens to them. Just Some of them it. might okay. they might go through the winter and they might not. Yeah. All right? Okay, then. Thanks very much. That's Thank all right, Joe. Let us know how they get on. I must be honest, I've, I've seen some in the garden that I've been to recently and they're doing just what yours yours is. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, and going back to the hedging material for Walton on the Nays, I should have thought of them myself. Um, it's someone who I have used in the past. Glebe Hedging. They're near Dedham. Uh, but they do deliver or, or mail out. So look them up, Glebe Hedging near Dedham, and they do loads of bare root hedging at this time of year. I have bought masses of hedging from Glebe Hedging. So really, that's what you should do. Glebe Hedging, get down there. And thank you very much, whoever reminded me that. I don't know if it's Glebe Hedging themselves. If it was Glebe Hedging, tell me. Who told me about Dedham? You haven't said who you are. Send me a text. Tell me who you are. 81333. Put Essex on the front. I do like to know who I'm talking to, talking about, you know. Let's go back to Ron in Bishop Storford on the phones. He's given us a call on 0800 111 Uh Hello, Ron. Hello there, Ken. Uh, Ken, uh, yeah. I would like to know how late in the year can I lay turves? Right. Any time you fancy, as long as it is not frosty. Okay. Now, the reason... 
all the, the difference is, ideally, now I'm going to give you the ideal, aren't I, you see? Ideally, now. Now, why now? Because the soil is quite warm. And when you lay a turf, it means that the root will be drawn from the turf into the soil. Yeah? Yeah. So yeah. it has yeah. its advantages for this time of the year. Also, if you also did it in spring, the same thing will happen. It gets warmer and therefore the turf gets going quicker. So that is an advantage to you. So yeah. that's, that's the best. Yep. What else Do would I you need like to put to any like a bit of sharp sand underneath with the soil? Depends underneath. on your, depends on the soil that you've got. What soil have you got? It's uh, clayy. Clay. It's, there's very little top soil right. on there. Okay. There's clay underneath, and okay. there is a, a tree nearby. Right. Okay. Maybe. So what the tree might cause problems, but you might have to oversee that in a few years' time with a bit of shady place. But don't worry about that at this moment. Yes, I would definitely add a bit of sharp sand unless you're going to also... Have you taken, have you prepared the lawn by removing the turf that's there or whatever's there? No, it's actually going on to, like, moving on to what would have been a flower bed. OK. If it's like a, extending the lawn. OK, if it's a flower bed, add a bit of sharp sand, but it must be gritty sharp sand, mix it into the top layer and then rake it into what we call a tilth, which is a fineness. Get it as fine as you can, level as you can, uh, but firm it down before you lay your turf because you'll find that your flower bed will sink slightly. And if not, you'll have your lawn going down about two inches uh, where you've laid the turf. So see you put plenty of soil in to get the height. You want the height of the soil at least matching the height of the lawn before you put your turf on. So the turf might look as if it's a little bit proud, but it won't be. It will drop. Yeah, OK, lovely. Thank you very much. OK. Thanks yes, very much, thank indeed. Bye-bye. Right, bye. Yes, bye. bye. Well, we'll be back to your calls, texts and emails shortly, but let's take a final look at the top tips I have for you this week. Have you seen in garden centres and retail outlets that um, Christmas is quite, <laughs> quite in the forefront, I'd say, at the moment? which also gives you the opportunity of possibly looking for a few bargains. And you can still get bulbs very cheaply in some places. They're on huge discounts. And it's never too late to put bulbs in as long as they haven't gone soft. Tulips, even daffodils and narcissi. So that's what I would do. Hunt around and get some bulbs and brighten up your garden for next year. It will really look fantastic if you can get enough daffodils in. So that's what I would actually do. Plant them in the in the grass, in groups, and all you do then is dig a hole with a spade, literally throw a few in the bottom of it, and then put the grass back over the top. It's as simple as that. Well, what's my next tip? Still planting bedding. Don't forget that just because you, you, you know, your summer bedding has really finished now, and you should be lifting your dahlias, lifting your begonias, and all that sort of thing. Um, but what you need to do is still plant bedding. You can brighten up those tubs with pansies and uh, violas. I love violas. I planted a tub the other day with a yew tree in the middle and it's got violas all the way around the edge. I'll tell you what, it looks absolutely gorgeous, those little eyes. And of course, the little, little faces just sort of look at you. But the thing about violas is you don't have to worry about deadheading quite as much as winter pansies. They will tolerate being left a bit longer. However, Good deadheading of all winter bedding 
will make it much better and last longer. I've got a few of these to do. Yes, Glebe Hedging near Dedham. All sorts of hedging material. Thank you very much. That was Louise in Clacton. Thank you very much. And she was very pleased with everything that she got from them. Let's go to Christine in Mayland. Hello, Christine. Hello there. <clears throat> yeah, I've got a hedge. It must be 30, 40 years old, and it's Hawthorne. Yep. Um, basically, the the roots of it I must be about a foot wide, but it's... It's getting very spindly and all the rest of it, but mm -hmm. um, it's got ivy in it, it's got brambles in it, it's got everything in it, including honeysuckle, yeah? Right. And um, basically, I did cut down one piece of it, right down mm -hmm. to ground level, and it rejuvenated and it made they a do. nice big hedge. They do. But um, when do I do that? Right, you can do it in the winter period, but the most important thing is possibly to get the ivy and the brambles out. And well, you I can might only do that. When you cut right. it down. Yeah, yeah. So I would cut it down during the winter period. So any time from now on, once it's dropped its leaves, it's stopped growing, you can then work on it quite successfully at that time. Oh, wonderful, because I just want to get it back to a hawthorn hedge instead yeah. of a mixture. <laughs> now, the important thing is that, um, you know, watch, you, you know, you're, I know what you'll do, you'll, you'll cut the hedge down and then you'll pull at the ivy and you'll pull at the brambles and then you'll think, ooh, cut them off and then they'll grow again. Particularly ivy and brambles are two things that if you don't get the root out, they will regrow. Mm. So mm. you really need to see that, you know, with a, with a perhaps a, a small narrow spade or something like that, that you can get them out. And yeah. then as the, as the new hedge grows, if you've got uh, it still, the bramble starts showing its face again, Use something like SBK and just paint it onto the leaf and the stem as they grow in the spring and that will get rid of it. That will not hurt the hedge unless you get that chemical on the hedge. So as long as you're careful with painting it on, you'll be fine. Wonderful. And I can plant in between the gaps, can I? Yeah, get some more hawthorn and plant them in between. Yeah. Right. Wonderful. Thanks ever so much, Ken. Okay, that's a hawthorn hedge sorted and we go to chrysanthemums. What are you trying to do, Mike, in West Burkholt? Yeah, good morning, Ken. Um, in September, my wife and I went to RHA, RHS Wisley yep. and saw a fantastic display of chrysanthemums. Uh -huh. And they were selling young chrysanthemum plants for next oh, yeah. year. Yep. So we bought two because my wife has an emotional attachment to chrysanthemums. Her father yeah. used to grow them. And um, so we brought them home and put them in the garden, stood them in the garden in their pots for a while. And then I repotted them into larger pots. Mm -hmm. I think I used John Innes, I can't remember. Yeah, that's, that's good. And then we brought them into the garage about, well, a few weeks ago to avoid frost. Um, the garage, they're, they're against a window in the garage. Mm. Um, now, they've sort of sprung up. They're about a foot high already. Yeah. <clears throat> now, and um, they've already started to put buds on the top. Yeah. Now, the problem is that they're actually, you see, a chrysanthemum will tolerate um, pretty cold conditions and can't even run through the winter. So what you've done is you've exacerbated it's thinking it's spring particularly as we've had figure you know temperatures of double figures haven't we recently yeah, yeah. um what what would i do with it i think i would take the tips out completely yeah, yeah? yeah. although it you either let them produce flowers which you could do yeah no let them produce the flower let me, what size pot are they in um they're about six-inch pots. Yeah, let them produce their flower, and then yeah. when the flowers fade, just cut them back. And oh, okay. then they, sh they should grow them from a cluster from the base 
and you'll get a cluster from the base which should work better for you. Okay. All right? Yeah, that's fine. Thanks, Ken. Okay, that's all Thanks the very God. best. That's Thank chrysanthemums, you. rather a nice plant as well. Very underrated. Audrey from Rayleigh, growing zinnias, are you? Absolutely, yeah, from seed. Right. But I, I grew them too early, I think, but I put them in the greenhouse and they've come up beautiful. So do I keep them in the greenhouse and hope that they're going to stay with me? Well, zinnia you would normally uh, sow in the spring, not now. Oh, yeah. So, so you're all back to front, aren't you, really? But um, if you've got That's a... Great... plants. Yeah. If you've know, got... so strong. If you... I've got about ten of them. If you've got a greenhouse, yes, yeah. you could try keeping them through the winter. Have you picked them out? Are they nice bushy plants? Uh, yes, yes. If you've got bushy plants, you've got a good chance of keeping them through the winter and then they'll obviously come into flower quite early. Oh, that's yeah? lovely, Ken, yeah. 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 I'm, so, I'm proud of myself because I've even taken cuttings off them. <laughs> they've grown. They're such a pretty flower. You seem to be growing everything there. You're doing quite well, aren't you? Yeah, yeah? I love it. Everything I've done. If you've I get obviously... a bunch of flowers from the shop. <laughs> you've obviously got green fingers, eh? Oh, yeah, but I've got everything, and I've got some gorgeous croissants for cutting some flower shops. <laughs> anyway, thank you, Ken. Okay, no, that's not... all right. And no, it is, by there, it is worth taking cuttings. I'm just being told that other people have taken Diane's cuttings, and they're going great. Yeah, they're very easy because you just strike them in the uh, late, you know, mid to late summer, and they'll take off, and uh, you can increase your. Increase your collection of pinks. Some of those perfume pinks are absolutely fantastic. They really look good. Now let's go to Keith in stock. Keith, where are you? You're, whoops, no, you're not there. You're there. You're there. Yeah, I mean, aren't you? look, can you you're in, I can hear you because you're in stock. I can hear you just up the road, aren't you, Keith? <laughs> <laughs> I am about half a mile away. Yeah. One quick question for you. Yes. I've got a damson tree this year. We bought it because my wife lost her uh, dad, so we bought it in uh, memory of him. But when all the damsons grew, they were absolutely one or two of them that you could eat was absolutely perfect. But the rest all had wasp drillings into them. How do I stop that? Hang on. The damsons, what, you mean the wasps got into the damsons themselves? They seem to have got into the damsons, and, and each damson had a little hole drilled in it. And the only, the only reason I know is because I watched a wasp do it one day. Yeah, because normally a wasp is a secondary pest that goes in after there's damage caused by a bird or another another insect of some sort. When you oh, did right. you ever did you take any of the damsons off and have a look at whether there was anything inside them at all? Yeah, some of them inside were a little were bad, and some of them just had. There's no maggot or anything like inside. No, there was none. No, no. Because no. uh, oh, that's when what I looked it... at it. If it, if you just looked at the damson, yeah, it just looked like a. You know, some like a pin had been pushed into it. There's no, there's not a huge amount that you can do, but I mean, there's two things with that. Damson is a plum, so therefore you could try. I'm just concerned that it might be something else as well. So I think I would do two things. I'd put a, a, a moth trap up in when it flowers. But before that, it might be just worth using either a grease band or one of the glues that you put round the tree just to stop any climbing insects. Because if it is that, that might be the way in for the wasps. 
Other than that, you're not going to stop wasps. Wasps are wasps. They will turn up and eat anything that's fruity. So I don't think you're going to be able to do much about that myself. Does that help no, you? Right. Two, two things that are worth trying, though, to help you. The one in, in, see that you get it as the flower is actually just starting to form, and that's a pheromone trap, and it attracts any, uh, the moth, the codling moth. It's a little house that you put, uh, hang in the tree, um, and then you put a pheromone. It's like a sort of gungy pheromone, and it attracts all the males, and the males then can't uh, work with the female moth, and therefore they don't lay anything onto your fruit. And it could be that as well. So that's why I'm thinking you're covering yourself in two ways. Does yeah, that help? So that's called a moth trap, is it? Yeah. Coddling... And, and do I go to a nursery and just say, have you got a moth trap? Yeah. Codling moth trap, and that's for Coddling. next next year, that is. That's for doing next year. But now you would put a grease band on, which is like a bit of greasy paper with a load of gungy grease yeah, on it. it and just That's it, and tie yeah. those on. All right? Can I just ask you while I'm on the phone yeah. quickly, what's the difference between a crab apple and a normal apple? Because I think at the same, same time we bought an apple tree, yeah. and I think it could have been, it could be a crab apple. Basically, and are they dangerous to eat? Oh, God, no. No, no, no. You can love lovely crab apple jelly you can make, especially some of the big oh, ones. There's big oh. one, a John Downey, which is quite a largish crab apple. You can make some fantastic apple jelly from. Absolutely superb. All right. Nice one. Thanks very yep. much, Phil. Very nice of you. Bye-bye. OK, that's Keith from Stock. Uh, help, something horrible is attacking my fats here. Thank you, Lynn. Tell you what, if his fat series outside, you shouldn't have to worry about it at this time of the year, especially next week's going to go cold. Nothing that you can really put on. You could put a contact insecticide. That might actually help. And that's Lynn in Tip Tree. But quite honestly, this time of year, pick off the infected leaves and leave the fatsia well alone. Um, morning, Ken. I have a wonderful dahlia. Lovely to hear things about dahlias. And they are... It's a four-year-old dahlia. It's five foot tall, lots of stems, still in bloom, but it's going brown. Well, it will go brown or black next week when we get some cold weather, I can tell you. Um, do I cut it down? Yes, you can cut it down now. Um, and no, if you've never dug it up, leave it there, but mulch it. That's the really important thing to do, is to mulch it. Mulch it with a really heavy, heavy mulch to see that, uh, you know, you, you get it, thickly embedded to stop the actual um you know the frost getting into the ground and around it but i'd still enjoy that balloon until the frost or nasty weather comes along and knocks it on the head it's as easy as that thank you very much for listening to the bbc essex gardening hour podcast if you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave you can download this program and take it with you on the bbc sounds app don't forget if you have a gardening question for us why not give us a call on 0800 111 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts.